Hello and welcome to the Matt Belair podcast. As an explorer of the mind and world, author and coach, I have spent a lifetime learning how to push my limits and achieve my highest potential. My mission is to bring you the most inspiring, conscious, and empowering teachers, leaders, and thinkers on the planet. To bring you stories, lessons, and messages that will help you master your mind, body, and spirit. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello, glorious human being. It is such a pleasure and honor to be with you again. I hope that your here and now is incredible. We have an outstanding guest for you today, my friend, Native American elder, David Lone Bear Senapass. He has agreed to do a podcast series, so there's going to be a few of his coming up. Um, I've been studying with him the month, uh, the last summer in Maine, and uh, it's been truly a privilege and honor to be with him, uh, to learn from him. Uh, he is the most extraordinary person I have ever met by far, including everyone I've met on the podcast. Not like it's a comparison. Everybody is epic. However, he is ultra epic. Um, and if you look at his origin story, spending the first 26 years of his life on a mountain learning by uh, from over 600 elders. Uh, his stories are really fantastic, and that's why I came to see him like, hey, man, are you telling me the truth? And uh, as far as I can see, he is telling me the truth. Um, I had his math vetted by Robert Grant, who is on the uh, podcast, and uh, I've had it vetted by scientists. I recently had it vetted by another Zuni elder, and he has only been sharing this stuff for the past five years. So this is truly a special experience for all of us to get this information because he was told by his elders to bring these teachings which are over 20,000 years old to the non-natives and this has only been happening in person for the last five years and it's only been happening on a podcast type of scenario since we did the first podcast about a year ago and since I came and wanted to learn more in person he's been opening up a little bit more a little bit more about these teachings about these technologies about this information so this is truly special it's going to get uh, more David Lone Bear Cinepass heavy because it, he is that amazing. And that's just, uh, you know, what's going to happen. So I hope that you guys enjoy um, what's going on in this episode. We talk about the ancient Copper Scrolls, where they came from. David speaks about the ancients, UFOs, communicating with communicating with beings, the white bear story, and realize that his stories, are, there's a lot of information in there. Read between the lines and listen. Um, he talks about peace on earth, advanced technologies, and Project Bright Star, which is him sending actual balloons into space. So he is a scientist. So yes, he makes these extraordinary claims, um, but also backs them up by sending balloons into freaking space. Um, so I want to thank everybody who has been supporting the episode. The best thing that you can do is to do three acts of kindness um, that is the best way to actually um, uh, turn on your dna evolve your consciousness and all that kind of stuff and that truly makes sense to me um, we are working on some incredible stuff and we do need your help i made a playlist on youtube you can go through uh, some of david's inventions and what he's talking about but if you know anybody who is a benevolent investor an angel investor uh, we need we need tons of stuff, but um, if anybody is interested in looking at some of the stuff that he's talking about, um, he talks about an advanced free energy device uh, that comes from the ancient copper scrolls, and we need help. Um, uh, I don't know how to phrase this, but uh, you know, how do I phrase this? 
basically you know he doesn't have the time to do the science because he's just you know barely making rent and he has to do all these different things that the way that the elders taught him um it's a really unique experience so if anybody feels called to support us by sharing the episode uh, you know some investors definitely hit us up because i am all in trying to support him and that's why i've been here so just hit me up if you're interested in that but the best thing to do is to do three acts of kindness uh thank you guys so much who are leaving reviews in itunes um that is amazing we appreciate you or i appreciate you and um this one comes from crystal healing vegan out of the uk and it says podcast filled with inspiration and amazing information so happy i found this podcast it inspires and resonates with me i'm learning to be my best self and awaken from the illusion I thought I was I thought was my reality. The topics covered by the different guests on this podcast series are helping me with that. Blows my mind. Love the self-love and spreading kindness everyday mentality. This podcast rocks. So I appreciate you taking a moment to do that. Um, it really means a lot because it inspires other people to listen to the podcast. And thank you so much for you guys supporting me on Patreon to just toss a buck in the bucket if this podcast gives you any kind of value and you want to you know contribute a buck that's great even if a small percentage of the audience did that um, i should be able to afford sandwiches and also travel and do the things i gotta do so brad hatton hats off to you my friend for taking that action going to patreon.com and tossing a buck in the bucket you are the friggin man and I appreciate all my patrons. I appreciate anybody who listens to this. I appreciate anybody who shares it because that's what gets the word out. And this is really about a podcast of you know personal empowerment, action, kindness. And if you resonate with um, what you're learning here and it does help you, please pass it on, whether it's um, just a voice message, a share of the podcast, talking about whatever, it all helps. And I love and appreciate you. Um, what else? Um, for those of you guys interested in coaching, just go to mattbelair.com forward slash coaching. And I am happy happy to dive deep with you in 90 minute sessions and just overcome limiting beliefs do the heart journey hypnosis which people have profound experiences help realigning if you're in the uh, transition in your life if you're looking to find more purpose um, if you're looking to overcome some limitations the heart hypnosis is a very powerful experience for that also more in-depth one-on-one coaching just go to mattbelair.com forward slash coaching as well as speaking engagements we're looking to get uh, david in front of 2,000 people and uh, like i said i'm I'm searching the world for the most extraordinary people and I haven't found anybody like him. So please listen to the words that he's saying because when we speak in person, it just goes over people's heads and I understand it's a lot. Um, It's totally different than what we're used to listening to. Um, But I do believe that he has teachings and technologies that can really profoundly, positively impact humanity and he's been doing it for five years with basically nothing. Um, So I am doing my best to help him and uh, support that message and support that growth because the deeper I go down that rabbit hole, the more I see it is real and we do have an opportunity to really positively impact people in a profound way. Um, What else should I say? Oh, sign up for the email list. That's good if you want to do that. Uh, three acts of kindness we covered that one and let's just get into it um oh yeah we're doing conference calls every thursday so uh check out matt belair official and uh, david's doing a seven series podcast call so you know it's my time is about up here in maine so we're, we're getting as much information as we can out there so yeah any support you want to send our way is really helpful uh we need an administrative assistant we need a tech person uh, we could do a lot more if we had a little bit of funding i'll just tell you that we are not working with much but we 
are doing our best and we are moving forward. And now we got the man Zuni elder, Clifford Mahuti, who's coming up next. Um, so now we got the Zuni and the Megama coming out, sharing some ancient teachings that we have been asking for for a long time. They have both of their histories are 20,000 years old. So truly extraordinary stuff. Um, and, and we could use uh, some help. So thank you guys for listening to me rant here. Um, Let's just get into this episode. So before we do, let's just come to a a space of peace and coherence. So wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing and take in a deep breath in through your nose. Holding that breath with the intention to come to peace and coherence and just inner gratitude and and connection now. And let that breath out slowly with all the self-criticisms, the self-doubts and the daily tasks. Let's just letting that go. Taking in a deep breath in through your nose. Connecting with this divine self, with all things, all nature, realizing that you are connected to the entire universe and to all life on the planet, just feeling peaceful and coherent, letting that breath out slowly with all the limitations, all the feelings of separation. Go now. Taking one more deep breath in through your nose, holding that breath and just coming to peace, coherence, gratitude, connection with all things, realizing that you are connected to the entire universe, to all life on this planet, that you do matter and that you're amazing. Just let that breath out slowly, feeling total peace, total relaxation. So thank you so much for listening, coming along. I hope you're doing amazing. And let's get into this amazing, exceptional, extraordinary podcast with David Lone Bear Senapas. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Master Mind, Body, and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. Today we have a very special guest for you. He's been on the podcast before. He is a native elder of the Megamon Nation. He is a scientist, a mathematician, a flute maker, a basket maker, a storyteller. Welcome back to the show, my friend, David Lohman. I'm doing great. How are you? I think I'm good today. We, we, we get some exciting information today. Yeah, I'm excited. We are in your home and we have some of your um, interesting technologies behind us, some of the stuff that you've built before. Um, you've talked about it on previous podcasts um, from the Ancient Copper Scrolls and lots of very interesting science, uh, interesting inventions, interesting stories as well. So uh, where do you want to start today? Well, let's start from the beginning. Where did this all come from? Where did all the technology come from? And how, why wasn't uh, utilized, you know, like 20,000 years ago? I think that's a good way to start the story, almost from the beginning. Sounds good to me. Great. Uh, my name is David Lone Bear Sunapass. Uh, um, I grew up uh, quite far, about 7 to 12 hours from here in northern Maine, Canada. And uh, growing up, that I had a, a somewhat a normal uh, childhood, I guess, um, uh, we lived uh, far into the mountains, and uh, we just um, was a family. I think that uh, when we was growing up, that we hear these stories about copper scrolls, and and you, you probably uh, think about the native tradition. Part of the native tradition is the storytelling, and storytelling is important. That comes from our tribe. It's, it's almost like having a lot traveling library. Is that we we sit in, in the lodge, uh, we sit around fires, and the elders come and tell stories. And part of those stories that was mentioned, of course, the Copper Scrolls, but, you know, if you go out there on the web now, you find uh, stories about the bear and the eagle and all the different things, and there's a lot of them out there. I, I did look. So, but I, I brought up with the stories of flying 
orange birds, uh, lights in the sky, uh, visitors from another world, you know, things like that. And, and you wonder, like, wow, that, that's pretty good. How come that didn't, wasn't transferred through the media and out to the other cultures? It has. But people want the stories that uh, the great eagle, great spirit, and, and that's been um, utilized through your literature. In, in, your, in your books, you can find books about the feather and the eagle. But it doesn't real when you talk about uh, lights in the sky and visitors, that gets kind of crazy because uh, when it was growing up, uh, because the, the spiritual part wasn't part of the normal day community, it was more uh, based under the Christian. And so when you have that, it kind of limits the stories that come up through. So some makes sense. I think the stories now are starting to surface that uh, there, there was lights in the sky and there were visitors among the native people. And I want to talk about that just a little bit more today and what that means uh, to what's going on today. So we think uh, that we know who visitors are. When you say visitors, they could be visitors from another village. There could be visitors from around the world. And we have met a lot of visitors in our, in our community. Uh, one of the stories that come to mind is that the star people, why did the star people, and it's how you listen to the native stories, it's fascinating. The star people come from the stars and things like that, but um, that's been uh, put through folklore and, and, and stories, but where does the uh, stories end and the truth begin? So, but every story is mixed with a little bit of truth, and whether you have to figure out what that truth is. Uh, we have explanations for the beginning of the world, how the world began, how the Big Bang Theory. I mean, you come up with, the, and when I say theory, theory. It's not proven. It's a speculation that that might have happened. And it, it points in that direction that something like that did happen. Just like the Native stories, that points in the direction something did happen. So back in those days, we did not have a way to record a lot of the events that happened. So after four or five, six generations, the story changes because it highlights the, the best part of the story, you know, it didn't it didn't say well somebody got out of a, a spaceship and opened the door and, and you know and they gave us food or something because that's not the story. It's like okay, light came out of the sky, landed. What was it? And, and this great being comes out. I mean, it's it's more emphasized. And if you go back with the story, that might have happened that way, but it might have happened uh, with a lot more detail to that story. Um, because I've done a lot of research in Nova Scotia and Newfoundland, uh, Quebec, all the different libraries on, on some of these families that they did see something. And what, what did they see? You know? And how did that um, affect our community and growth? Um, all the native communities out there were affected by Christianity. And that Christianity, uh, of course, is going to affect your spiritual way, way of looking at things. But the native culture doesn't die from that. It seems like that when um, the Christianity comes through, it brings some of the old culture with it, brings the stories. Some of the stories were hidden, but they did record them through campfire stories and things like that. That one, like one of the stories that I, uh, of the of, of, uh, um, light that's coming out of the sky that goes back probably a little bit more than 20,000 years or more, is about the great white bear. And if you listen to that, it's not about white people. It's not about brown people. It's not about... Um, um, it's, 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 it's an actual event that happened, but they, just like I said, it just was changed. And that story is that we were seeking peace. We were seeking understanding of the universe. So 
there was a lot of wars going on in that, in that time period all around the world. So we prayed for an answer. Or we prayed for the messenger to come. And the story is that they, that they prayed for the messenger, and they were answered. Uh, one of the stars shifted across the sky and entered our atmosphere and came down a bright light and landed in the north. The people got excited and uh, went to see what landed. And it was this uh, big, um, they said that it looked like water. What it was, it looked like water, a round piece of water. And what came out of that is a big white bear. And of course, uh, we're afraid of bears, especially when you say white bear, you think of a polar bear. Polar bears is one of the biggest animals. It stands sometimes eight to 10 feet high. But this was stood three times as high as that, 17 to 18 feet. And you have to realize what, what I said, is that when we're measuring by feet, uh, uh, when we measure by feet, that means that's a New England way of thinking, or the, the, um, uh, that measurement wasn't um, around back in those days, so we're just comparing it. So this thing was quite big and came out and it made a noise. And when it made a noise, all the people that came all plugged their ears because they couldn't understand what that noise was. And they have never heard anything like this before. So they ran all over the place, and this thing came out, and it said it tried to eat them. And they ran all over the place and uh, ended up um, them leaving that village where that thing landed. And they ended up going um, uh, uh, north, east, west, south, away from this thing. And they settled in villages. So when you say settled in villages, so there's a time period passed there. Um, so this thing went all the different villages, and every time we get to the village, it scare all the people. One of the warriors uh, seen what was going on, so he tracked this thing, he tracked it for a couple of years, and ended up coming into um, a village um, uh, off the coast of Nova Scotia. And when this um, thing came in, he didn't run, but all the other people ran away from him. The warriors uh, shot arrows at this thing. And didn't hurt it. So this warrior uh, went up to it and tried to talk to it. And of course, the strange noise came out again. That strange noise hurt their ears. And they, they couldn't understand that. And they felt funny when they were around this thing. So it ended up um, um, him taking a spear out and he was going to try to kill it. And uh, he went to go up to it, almost throw the spear, and this, this thing put up both, both of its paws, like I guess, or hands. And he noticed that it wasn't a bear. It wasn't a bear. It only had four fingers, and he put up his hands, and he put the spear down. And he put up his hands, and he went like this. And when he went like that, this thing emitted a noise, and this noise, the guy fainted because there was so much information going on that that noise, he just fainted. And he woke up and a day later, day and a half later, and there was a fire going, and this supposedly a great white bear on the other side, sitting. And he got up, and the bear said something. And for several days, they went back and forth on, on what things meant. You know, he, picked, he picked up an apple, and, and he says, what do you call this? And that thing said a, like a 15-minute word, and that, what it meant, an apple. And they went on like this for a couple of weeks. 
And of course, when this was all going, this village was wondering what was going on, that he was communicating with the thing. So in our tradition, if we didn't understand it, it was evil. And, and at that time, there was a little bit of influence of Christianity in different visible, and they called it Mindu, the devil. And, um, but the man tried to communicate back with the people, and he couldn't talk his own language. Being around this thing, that he lost some of the, supposedly lost some of the, and he couldn't even communicate with the people that he communicated with for many of years, and he didn't know what's going on. You know, we talk about the higher consciousness right now, and that higher consciousness that says that and once we get to the higher consciousness, we're going to understand the universe and be able to bring peace forth. But I don't think we communicate it with the higher consciousness because nobody would understand you. So, and it's kind of what's going on here is that when that when that man was trying to communicate, he was communicating in a different language with a higher resonance to it, not higher. People think it's higher technology. It's just like when we talk. You know, only reason why we can understand each other, we have an agreement. What says what a word is. We are agreed in, in, in all the different things. So if there's uh, travelers from another world, we, we're not in agreement. And we might not even be the, the seeds of them. They might be a whole different way of thoughting or thinking or a different way of um, or even imagining. Because that's what we think about. Is about well, okay, I'm going to communicate with uh, E.T., you know. And, but you, we, we look at the message, but uh, the message is in our dialect, you know, because that's how I can tell. So, okay, I'm, I'm communicating with aliens, but they said this. I was like, probably, but if they're communicating with us, we probably won't understand even the paragraph what they're saying. So this is kind of what this man did. It's like he was in communication that he went to the, like the higher state of that uh, communication. So when he tried to communicate back to his people, he couldn't understand. So it took him a while, and he had to sit there and think. But by the time he was ready to think, all the warriors came out, and they were going to kill this thing. He put his hand up, no, this is no, they, this is friendly. It's not trying to kill us. Because at that time, it's like he downloaded a lot of information uh, within uh, like a 100-year uh, term in his head. That's why he fainted. So he had the information. But this thing didn't understand uh, the way that we worked. If we don't understand, we're going to kill it. So they try to kill it, and they started firing arrows and spears, and the warrior backed him up. But they got to the point that they got up by the ocean, and when they got to the ocean, they had nowhere to go. And the arrows, uh, spears, and they were shooting at them, and one of the uh, spears hit the bear in the shoulder. And when he did, it wasn't blood. It was something else. And when that happened, it was the great light that went off. And that great light, and they seen the blood, it was more like uh, silver. And they took it out, but the, of course, he was hurt and went down. So he backed into the ocean. And when he backed into the ocean, this thing came out of the water. And this thing came out, and it was uh, kind of big and round, and it had a rainbow to it. So when, when it came out, there was this big rainbow. Of course, uh, they got scared because they've never seen this before. And there was great light that came from this thing. And when that thing came up, uh, a door or a corridor opened. And um, they put this bear into this thing. And when the bear went in there, 
the door closed. But the man was still there backing up. And, uh, and the uh, people told the man that we don't want this thing here. You know, it's evil. It's, it's going to make us do evil things. And when that happened, there was this great fight, you know, and the warrior disappeared. And he absorbed into this round thing. And it went out to the ocean. And when they get to the ocean, this rainbow appeared and it was this great noise. Um, that noise was supposedly heard around the world by every human being. And it put out a, a message, and it went into the ocean. And they've never seen it since. So that's one of the stories, but and that's, that story is six hours long. That's a long story, and it gives details on what the language is and what was. But when that left, uh, probably 50 or 70 years have passed, and a village now down below that, um, this man appeared again. And when he appeared, he was different. He was taller, uh, his hair was gray, of course, and he began to talk that language. And that, we call it a spiritual language, but that language is heard uh, by people that are in residence of the earth. When you, that, because in order to hear it, you need to have, well, what I figured out is a sign, you need some sort of energy to absorb that. A human body only has 60 volts. You need at least three to 300,000 terawatts to be able to absorb that energy because so much information going through. So when, it, when they're your residence of the earth, that means that you're using the earth's power source to understand that. So they uh, listened to this man, and he kind of made sense. And when he started making sense, people, uh, different villages came and listened to this person. And he went to village to village, not preaching, but to have an understanding of where they are in the stars and the, what the message was sent to these people, and to be able to decipher this message. And this message is not, you can't put it in a book. There's no way you can put this in a book. It's a vibrational message. And, he, and uh, that uh, elder said, he said, there's more to come. He said, this is, we'll, we'll give you the book. And that book will help you translate these words into something that you can use. How to build your lodging, how to fish, how to do language, how to understand all the languages of the world, how to travel to the stars again. So sounds like a great thing, but does that book exist? You know, we have thousands of books out there that say different things. And when we say book, um, we have to figure out where the word book comes from. And usually understanding that is like, okay, everybody thinks it's a book. Okay, it's in paper and things like that. If that was 25, that wouldn't survive. That, you know, it's like the Dead Sea Scrolls. They only, they're starting to hear it when they found them. It's just like uh, we write anything on anything. The only thing that we knew to, to write on was copper, is to take copper from Newfoundland and bring it, and there are certain people that will hammer that copper up so smooth and so flat so we can put um, writings on it. And you have to have something that translates vibration into words. Paper doesn't do that. So if you take your fingers and you put them on a copper anything, there's a current that comes from copper to you. And if you structure that copper in a certain way, you can almost use that as a vibration line, is that we wet your fingers and you put it around it and it will down, it'll almost be like a download. So that was in our history for thousands of years how to do that. But because of our ways and the, 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 we transmit information, that was lost. 
Uh, very few people know how to do that these days. People claim that they can do that, or they call it light writing or something like that, but the copper scrolls is that you, ha you have to be in resonance of the earth, sky, and the universe at the same time to read. So somebody that just comes off the street and tries to read it, it's, it's nonsensical because they don't have any basis where that comes from. So. Wow. Well, it's it's one thing interviewing you um, from my computer, and then it's another thing just uh, receiving that story first person. And I've seen some of your a lot of your teachings uh, live, and a lot of it is um, pretty mind blowing. Um, you know, your stories. You, you were on the mountain for twenty six years, and I was I went to that mountain, and I met your mom, and uh, I was also at the Abbey Museum, and, and it showed the history going twenty thousand years. Um, so it's it's totally different, and a lot of your culture is oral, right? Yes. Oral and experiential. Yeah. And we've been communicating with Clifford Mahoudi, who hopefully will actually be coming on the show later today. Um, and he was, I watched one of his talks, and he said the same thing. He might be the last one who got all of those teachings um, orally, you know, passed down, because that, you know, it's experiential, it's oral. You could say and describe what freezing cold water is. And you could have an elder or a person throw you in cold water, and it's two different experiences. Um, and when you were on the League Project speaking about some of those experiences, um, you and Clifford are, are both saying that it, you were taught the star beings, the star teachings, the star knowledge. So it goes beyond just Earth. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to share? I don't even know how to formulate a question. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you've been in some of the teachings. You've been following... Uh, the star teachings and been traveling with me for different events and things like that. I think it's important, it's the same way that we can uh, do podcasts, a lot of podcasts and get the information out there, but it's going, it's going to take on like what you and I, it's going, it's going to take a, a bunch of people together listening to this because in order to translate a lot of this language, I, I, some of it, I, can't, I probably translated 72% of the Copper Scrolls. And the rest is like, I don't know, I don't know what it is. Um, and I've been doing this for many of years. Um, but it's like anything else, it's going to be going out into the public, going into different communities and uh, telling the stories and, and, and seeing if they, the, those star people are still there. You know, people claim to be star people, not, not, not doubting that, but there's a way to find out. There's a, the, the Copper Scrolls tells us how to find these people. Uh, since we've been doing this, we've found some star people. But the star people has the knowledge to reincarnation, reincarnation, they, they've been there. A lot of people have been in different places, so it's very few people that you find that's been actually at those teachings. So we know what A, B, and then, then C is gone. And D is gone, we don't know where it went. So, but, you know, we can theorize, but we could be just making pieces for the puzzle for ourselves. There's other things out there. The technologies that's out there, um, one of them is resonant voice. And the resonant voice is that you make a noise, a joyful noise, hopefully. And, you know, people say um, they're not musically inclined. Everybody's musically inclined. If they can cry, if they can laugh, they're musically inclined. That is, that is a way of expressing yourself through vibration. Words are very limited. You know, when you say something, it, the, the vibration doesn't really come through very much. It's like uh, saying a name of a song that you like, and you're only saying the first name of that song in the vibration. You want to, if you're going to sing it, you should be able to use the vibration of the words to do it. The Copper Scrolls teaches us different methodologies how to do that through chant, song, 
uh, different vibrations that you can make from your, but, but it's got to be done from a central point. It's got to be done from a community. Uh, the copper scrolls uh, um, right now, they're um, under the protection of the Blue Flame Council. Uh, that's the reason why that's like that, because one person can't handle One person can take that and almost rule the world with the information. So the, the information has to be broken up in separate parts. So I can't go say, okay, I'm, not, I'm this. So the Blue Flame Council says, well, they'll limit government on that, on that um, technology. So somebody won't misuse it. So that's very important, and it does work. We've used some of these chants in community. It does work. It, it, it does bring resident spirit to the community. Uh, so you have to be very careful of that because if you do it for yourself, um, it kind of um, um, makes you taste like candy, the vibration, and you want more and more and more. And after all, that will rule you, just, just like the Lord of the Rings and the, the ring. Yeah, it's almost like that. So some of it's pretty cool, but some of it's scary. You know, Tesla and all your scientists that, you know, um, even in the Bible, you know, Jericho took walls down with a trumpet. But if you really read that, it wasn't a trumpet. It was a device. And, you know, if you vibrate something long enough, it'll fall apart because it won't be in residence. Um, I, that's, I think the pyramid is a hydrogen generator, you know. It, it generates microwave if you set it up right. I've looked at all the technology, Stonehenge and things like that, but it has to have a battery source. Uh, the, um, you know, you can go to enchant all you want to the pyramids, it's not going to do anything unless you have a power source to that. Same with Stonehenge and all the different sites. I'm hoping to go to Peru um, to some ancient sites out there, Nazca, uh, because I, I have a theory on how I can activate one of those lines. And I've been there before, many years ago, but I only had six or seven hours there, and I almost died of thirst. <laughs> the guide left me there because I told him to, and the first thing what I do, went out of water. <laughs> so I didn't really do chance to do any research, just live. So, but I'm hoping to go back there really soon, and I need to go back to Egypt and in Israel. There's a couple of things out there that we need to look at. So part of the, that technology I'm talking about is this not a a power box. It, it uh, integrates with the earth, human spirit, uh, with the uh, energy of the trees even, you know, and it, it makes a resident uh, uh, spiritual body. And people don't realize what that is. Actual feeling, actual, uh, if you need the time jump, you can show you how almost to do that in the copper schools. I'm excited to, because some of the information that I've got this summer is um, helps me to translate the scrolls a little bit better because we have uh, some of the copper scrolls, but some of the other scrolls are hidden because I don't know what they say. Uh, now that I have at least a, a reference, a couple of reference words, I can go get the other scrolls and read those. The other scrolls are a little bit more ancient than these ones. Yeah, the ones I, I carry with me, uh, some were remade over back in the 20s because they deteriorated or it was, wasn't taken care of. Um, so these scrolls that I'm getting now, there's uh, five um, tablets of copper, and they tell me a lot more information what's going on in this world. So that's that's great too. <laughs> and okay, so when you were also saying that the Vatican has scrolls too, and then yes. some of the major religions go are are based on scrolls. Yes. And there, I think there's two types of listeners. One that are like they're not. 
they're like aliens and all that kind of stuff is a stretch. The other group is people who dive into it really deeply. So if you go to Sedona for a weekend, you can get a master course on everything aliens and you can go to Gaia TV and you can go down those rabbit holes. And when you do, you experience uh, where they, they got the, the blue sphere or the blue sphere alliance or blue avians or whatever the case is going on in Gaia and the secret space program and... And, and, and you got entities and you got all these different worlds and it seems like what, what you're sharing and what you were taught by the, by the elders and you said you had over 600 teachers was, was kind of everything that I thought but lined up into a more particular story and it is a vibration. You know, you're going back to how to you know, take this knowledge um, which is vibrational. So if you go to China, when I was in China, they couldn't speak English and it was really hard for me to communicate with them. So what if you were a being from another space, probably scare the crap out of you, um, and you wouldn't understand them, and you wouldn't know if they were peaceful. So it would be a lot of challenges. And the interesting thing with having the Copper Scrolls and what you're sharing, um, there's one part philosophy and, and a very different history. You know, if people have a challenge with this, like what do you know about being raised uh, Japanese royalty? You would have a whole different upbringing in yes. Japanese royalty. You would have a whole different upbringing in lower class Russia or upper class, you know, royalty, right? All of these different upbringings and your upbringing is so unique um, and so interesting and so fascinating and the story is not out there and it's contrary to what most people would believe because they've never heard of anything like that in, in the Western culture for the most part and if we do, a lot of it, what you've said is kind of like a story and a myth and some of it, there's fractions of truth and misinformation um, and the other fascinating thing that I think is important to note is that from this information, you sent a balloon into space that had a chip that was sending a message, which you've decoded partially, which I've shared. Um, you can look back on my YouTube channel and check it out. And it is in a vibrational language, probably closer um, to what the message actually was. And then you go to English and then you kind of fraction it off again from um, what that message is. And there's still a signal coming down. Um, so what else would you like to share about anything? I just wanted to kind of bridge the gap for some people. Well, the, the balloon project, the, the Bright Star project, uh, we sent up uh, 47 balloons altogether. Uh, some reaching six feet, some are smaller balloons. Um, but these balloons are made of a, a, a mylar uh, fabric. So the thing about rubber balloons, because we use hydrogen and uh, helium, uh, helium is so small, it will go through the fabric of a rubber, it goes through rubber. It was, the, the helium will escape, that's why the balloon deflates. Mylar is more smaller, and inside it's aluminum uh, base, so it's hard to get through. So it hits the, the helium will hit the helium and make a negative charge, and it will repel the helium back in so it doesn't escape through that field. So if you can do this, uh, uh, most balloons I put up, 85 psi in the balloon, so it's like steel, very light steel, and it's going up into a, an atmosphere and then goes up to 180 pounds, because when you go up there, everything expands. You know, you put a rubber balloon up, it goes 100,000 feet, it gets three times bigger. So when they put up the weather balloons, they, they expand and they break and they come down. These are very strong. They, they go up to 200 pounds PSI before they even tear or, or, or the fabric tear. So they can go into space. They can keep going into space. Uh, most balloons, uh, I, I know that um, Google Earth have done a lot of uh, experiments with balloons, and they realize that if the balloon goes up high enough, it goes to North or South Pole. 
because of the rotation years that go to the middle. So my directional finder on that will, will tell you GPS where that is. And I have my own GPS readings from the stars. It doesn't go to your, like your GPS. It focuses on the star and it can keep it in orbit for a long time. As long as the hydrogen and all the equipment goes up. Because when we go up in the sun, it's close to 105 degrees in the sun, maybe more. And on the dark side of that, 61 to 62 below zero on the shadow side. So you're going to have to keep all your equipment warm most of the time. There's a, there's a standard of being warm. So when you get up there, just getting up there is the hard part. And um, when I first started uh, looking for the information into space, it was probably 1978 or 77, I used to use gasoline rockets. That means that I made my own rockets. So you think about this uh, rockets that's uh, in West Chapman, Maine. You know, this is, you know, we're well in the woods, but when they went up, you see them go. I'm sure Lauren Air Force Base has picked a lot of these up on thinking there's Russia attacking us or something. And these go a little bit more than 17 miles to uh, 23 miles into space. And they come down and there's a parachute. So I've done that. That's how I got my information. But that technology at that time, I was using vacuum tubes and transistors and rockets. So I was at my, and I'm using regular reel to reel for the information. So. I get some of the information, but now that when I send something in space, I get probably 98 more percent than rockets. But I use rubber balloons. I've made my own balloons. Uh, I've been trying to get aircraft as high as possible into space to get the information. But you know, aircraft is like you know, 50 to 60,000 feet before uh, you can't grip the air. But uh, my rockets go up pretty high. I know a lot of people that have a uh, says. Um, that's not true, but past um, my sisters or anybody that was near West Chapman, they see the rockets go up. You know, there was a, like a black trail coming from them because I didn't, I couldn't modify them to be really efficient. But the mylar, when I use mylar, it's uh, stronger. I use a three ply mylar, uh, very strong. Um, you can try to jab it with a knife and it won't, it won't break. Uh, will break after a while, but you keep jabbing it. But the mylar, is, uh, the structure is a little bit different, very strong. But I remember uh, out of the 47, there was uh, probably 17 that was uh, um, successful. Some of them that went up, I never heard of them. <laughs> they're, they're probably up by the space station or something. Or uh, I know some of them is, uh, uh, people claim to see UFOs because it's a triangle. Because my, all my balloons are triangles. So I know that over in England, because a lot of that went to Italy and England, and I looked online of the UFO MUFON, and they said, oh, it's a UFO, but it's my balloon, <laughs> so, because it's triangle. So uh, the reason why I use a triangle, because it, uh, it's better in pressure. Uh, you, you can slip into space instead of uh, trying to push yourself in space, because anything lighter, that's going to, the atmosphere is underneath these. You put it in the triangle, keep weight on one side, it's like a wedge going up, and goes up pretty fast. So uh, to reach two or three hundred thousand feet, uh, my balloon takes a little bit more than an hour and a half to do that. So, and it depends. This, uh, once it gets over the uh, jet stream, it just it just goes straight up from there. You get in the jet stream, it's going to drift on you a little bit. And you, there's a, a four to five computers on board the, 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 this. It measures, uh, of course, um, um, how high it is, density, uh, temperature, um, um, uh, microwave. Receiving and so it has a microwave receiver on that that is being tracked by radar. It will tell me 
and I'm not using um, uh, the technology of the phone cell phone towers. I have a compressed microwave. That means uh, the, the beam is shot towards me. So, and, and I have a receiver to receive that. And I uh, take that information out, put it through a processor, and I can actually look at a picture. <laughs> Just the same way that the, the big microwaves send uh, radio signals. And this, as long as I'm in sight of this balloon, I'll get the information. If it goes over the horizon, of course, I'm not going to get it. But most of the ones that, that uh, go up 15 to 20 degrees before um, um, I get signals from them. But if they go 18 to 25, it's really harder because it's got more air to go through. But the information that, that I get, I, I'm still storing it. And I have it in uh, different um, electronic uh, things from looking at aircraft from straight down and other things. Uh, I don't know what they are. And it looks at movement that goes in and outer space. The, the, uh, they, I, know that the, I know the NASA program with their um, space station, it's an ice particle. You have a lot of ice particles traveling into space and back into space. Because my cameras that I use is HD cameras. So I use that, of, um, I take a camera apart and use that, the photo cell in that. And they're not ice, I don't, my cameras don't collect ice because I keep them at a certain temperature. And when I'm looking at something, I'm looking at whatever it's out there. If it's out there uh, 20 or 500 miles, I can see it because I don't have any atmosphere up there. And, there's, and I don't have an exhaust on my balloon, so it doesn't make ice, it doesn't collect ice, it doesn't collect other particles. It only, it only sees what it sees. So the, um, my issue with NASA is they reveal the truth. T tell them what's out there. There is traffic going from Earth to out there somewhere. I don't know. I'm not saying they're aliens, but there's something. I can see something going from, you know, from five miles to 2,000 miles, you know, and it, it does it in a couple seconds. So I don't know what they are. I, you know, you can say UFOs or, but that, because I'm usually after the truth. It's like, what are they? Uh, is that our technology, or is there somebody living with us? Is there neighbors that we don't know about? And I, and I think that's heading my direction. Is that if the star people came here thousands of years ago that gave us technology, of course we're going to forget it. We forgot about the Million Man March in the '60s. You know, now we're onto something else. 9/11, uh, we forget about that. And like. That, that was awful, you know, as we forget. We were looking always for new things, but whatever that is, I think they're trying here to help us to understand we can have peace in this world. We don't have to always fight, and I was trying to figure out the conspiracy theories, you know. Let's know the truth. If there's neighbors, let's find out who those neighbors are, and that's kind of what the, the Star Bright program is, is that, that we're coming on upon. It's like, all right, we did receive a signal. No, I'm sorry. We're receiving signals to this very day, right now, that uh, I'm detecting them. I don't know what they are. I don't have the, uh, the computing power to process everything. I can do a lot of it on paper, uh, understanding the math, but my computers are maxed out right now. I have four computers working all the time. They're maxed straight out. And, you know, I think the one I have now is like seven terabytes, and it's maxed out. And my one upstairs is four terabytes, and my laptop is two terabytes. And, and, uh, and I'm, that's all I'm doing. I know that I can sit there for 10 years and do computations and still trying to figure out what the A is. That's why that I'm, I'm here. Otherwise, I'd be in my workshop. I'm not good with the community. I'm not good with public. So the information that the spirits ask me to do is go out and share the information. And this is what we're doing. Uh, we're going to be down in Sedona in, in August. 
yep. sharing this information. And if you're listening to this, come and join us because you might be one of the star people. I, I don't know. There's a couple ways to find out, but come. Come and listen to what um, I'm going to be t talking And I'm going to be talking about what we're talking about here, but there's other information they asked me to share. So come. Come and, and listen to this. Amazing. You know, <laughs> I was trying to figure out how I was going to formulate a question because so much of, in, was going on my, in my mind. What you were taught, you know, people would think, okay, Native Elder, the way that I thought about it, just being a general white person, I guess, was, you know, uh, we're going to do ceremonies and, you know, we're going to learn about getting in touch with nature and I'm going to learn how to survive, like be in one with nature and not harm the environment and, and maybe some uh, different history of philosophy, you know, connecting with the earth and things like that. But you were taught different engineering. You were taught different mathematics. You were taught uh, really interesting things. And, I, and I've heard you talk about things like time splits and stuff that's absolutely mind-blowing and you are set you're using these technologies with basically no budget with with nothing you're you're taking apart computers and i've watched you do some of this um everything that you build you build from nothing you build from an actual resource you know like as bare bones as it gets and and that's how everything comes so i find it really amazing that you're able to do all this stuff and all this information um you were taught to decode the scrolls Right, so then you can use this, and the elders were teaching you this for the 26 years on the mountain. So I'm curious, um, if you had the resources that you wanted, let's say you had your your a lab and you had everything that you could imagine, what are some of the things that you can share, if any, that that you would build, and what would that do for people? What would you like to see? Well, I think I'm more of a decoder. What spirit really is. Uh... You know, people have misinterpretations of what spirit is and spirit guides. And now I'm not saying they're not receiving anything, but what I was taught spiritually is that the inner self, the, what we call the inner self, the blue light, the smaller than small, our reincarnations over and over and over are always of us, never Geronimo or Cleopatra and, or people that's trying to contact them. I'm not saying they're not true, but it's... It's more believable to certain people, but spirits got to be able to tell you something that's practical that will help you in your everyday life. Like your mom and dad, you know, your mom and dad would never tell you to play in traffic. They would, they, they would always remember your relatives. They won't start without, okay, your aunt was beginning with K, but she would know it was Kathy or Sue or something. It wouldn't be that. But that's, that's your spirit guides. They know who you are. They're there to help. Only when you ask for help. Nobody's chosen to do anything fantastic in this world. You have to choose that yourself. If you are wanting to bring the light to the world, you bring it. God or the Creator, whoever out there is not going to tell you. Because we have free will. We have free spiritual will. So that's kind of the thing What the technology want to get. There's an actual type of machine that we can build low cost that will bring you, you, you wouldn't have to go through meditation of like 50 years to become one with the bird or something. You can be, do it as soon as you go into the temple. That's what, a, that's what the church and temple is for, is to be resonance in spirit, is, is to take some of the stimuli out of there so you can actually see and hear and actually feel. I've been in, been some of, in these, some of these technologies and they do work. I've seen, I see this technology that we, that was still here, Heal people. Literally heal people. Put fingers back on there to, to reattach the spinal cord. 
Because, you know, I know that some people now are working on that. They're on the right track, but they're 30 to 50 years away for a solution. This will help with the solution to at least 20 years. It's just the free up the mind, the free up uh, the clutter that we have, or the belief. You know, in order for us to do, do research out there, you know, we need, we need a research grant. We need all the different things, especially for cancer. There's $250 billion worth of cancer, and we have a little stride on that. It's just stupid financial stuff. So, well, how come we can't do that in the human part of us, that we want to be kind so other people can't suffer, instead of this, the money? And this technology will help us to go the next step. Is um, try to get some of the financial end out of it and more research and something that can be immediately put to the community. If somebody's sick, here, you know, I'm, I'm not going to have $500 million so you, I can give you a pill. It's a technology out there. Right now we can build, I can start it today, right now. And people don't realize that. Are we ruled by the financial end of things? If you're going to do something great, I need $100,000. How come we can't do something great? Money will come later if we need it. And I, I think I get a kick out of people that says, oh, none of this is true. And then you take a computer and we build it right from scratch. With no, because the mind is when I work, I know how computers work. So I, I know about digital code. That's all that is digital code. And I'm building things from scratch. And it's working. And getting information back. Can you imagine if I had at least five million bucks? We'll have that machine up and running in three years. But right now, I have to go to the dump. Scratch. I get donations of cell phones, computers. Now the computers, the computer people are figuring this out. So I'm taking these scraps and putting them together. Now they're putting limits on your computers. Your computer will die three, three to five years. There's a program inside that, so it won't last 20 years. So you buy another cell phone, so you buy another thing. So I have to take that technology out of your phone so my things don't die up there. And part of the balloons I put out, I didn't realize that program was in there. So when my cell phone went up, it died because it was using for a different purpose. They just made them just for the cell phones. So out of the 47, I only got 17 that gave information. And there's a lot of work to put one of these things together. It's six to seven thousand dollars to put a balloon up, compared to putting up a rocket, millions of dollars. And I can put the stuff up pretty high. I'm, I'm, I'm going higher, so I might I'll send a message to the space station. So. Hmm. Well, first of all, I'd definitely like to see that, and some of the some of the the technologies come out and I think that we're in this culture where it's a business plan right and what you were taught and what what you I don't think you're even allowed to break these rules you have to do it as your elders taught you okay it has to be for all people all people it can't be owned you know I get this and then I make all the money and then I'm gonna make you do you know a $500 a month fee for this technology it's for everybody um I guess what I'd ask, and I appreciate your time and, and sharing this, is there anything else that you, you want to talk about? Um, do you want to talk more either about the technology, maybe you could talk a little bit about, about the biodome, or maybe you could speak a little bit about, you know, people that are out there, and I've spent some time with you, um, we're in this illusion, or we're in this life, and the mind is really 
challenging to go through um, just and live your daily existence, right? You have your task list, you got to take care of your kids, you got to do all of these different things. Um, do you have any recommendations for them having a little bit more peace from what you from what you were taught, a little bit more understanding, a little bit more ability to live in spirit with their reality? Um, so you can kind of go either way with it, or <laughs> as long as or as little. Well, I think people take things too seriously. You know, they have jobs and they uh, get the house and everything else. You know, we take life too seriously. Uh, we don't have fun in this time, um, or we have fun, but it has to be some sort of um, a game or something that we go out and play. You know, nature is all around us. Uh, today's a beautiful day. You know, people don't enjoy that. You know, people say, oh, I'm in spirit. I'm going to do all this ceremony, pray the four different directions. You can do that if you want to, but the Creator hears you no matter what, in what language. Or if you're angry, He's going to hear. Uh, uh, if you're happy, all you have to do is speak it because you're the Creator. You're the creator of your own imagination, and people don't really realize that. They want to be, and I know a lot of people say, oh, I want to come study with you. I want to get you chopping wood and, and raking the lawn, because I don't want to do that. <laughs> really. You know, I don't mow my own lawn, let alone take care of it. And people realize, oh, I'm going to, uh, my lawn has to be a certain way. It has to be. I don't care, honestly. The lawn's going to grow no matter what. Someone will cut it, but it doesn't, mine is not that. It's to be able to enjoy being outside, to be enjoyed being a friend, uh, to be enjoying being in community and with family. If you have children, let them teach you how to play. You know, if you're with a, in a relationship, explore that relationship more, because there's more. Uh, when you get older, you look for that relationship. If you're in a relationship now, explore that. Stop what you're doing and explore that because that person wants to be with you the rest of your life. And if you go out and explore you find the reason why instead of 13, down, 13 years down the road, you get the divorce or separate. It's things like that. You know, go skydive. I told somebody to go skydive. <laughs> they did. And it changed their life, you know. Um, money is good, but life is better. You know, I, I love life. I love, love my children. I love my, my mate. I love my dog. You know, I know that I know a lot, but I, when I see the sunrise in the morning, sunset, I realize I know nothing. I, I don't understand that experience sometimes. And I don't want to be in my deathbed realizing I should have watched that sunset that morning or seen that sunset or being with my mate or being with my children. So the science stuff is great. It's a solution. But it's not all the solution. It just gives us a, a better way of looking at things. I think that message is when I speak in front of crowds, things like that, that people don't realize who I am or who they are and what they're listening to. We can play the drum and dance and the feather. That's fine. That's time for that. But it's also time for let's have peace. If we really wanted peace on the earth, we would have it. You know? And we, I don't think we really want that. So I'm looking for at least 7 million people just to look one direction. Not believe, there's a difference. Looking in that one direction of, of peace, spiritual peace. So that's what I want people to hear. Thank you. Well, thank you for your work and thank you for sharing this message. I know on a personal note that you said it was really challenging that you were asked to bring this knowledge of, of what you were taught, you know, that goes back generations and generations to bring this to the non-natives 
and I know that that's been in part challenging in, in a lot of different ways and and there's a big gap in miscommunication and there's a big um, let's say it's just a stereotype for lack of a better word because we don't understand and you're trying to share something that's so radically different um, and people have different beliefs and different um, ways of viewing the world where it doesn't fit in um, but you say you know I like one of your things that you've posted that doesn't matter what your belief or religion um, we kindness is a language that we can all understand and since um, being around you and watching you speak my mind is is continuously blown with different concepts and philosophies but always it comes back to um, doing something kind for somebody else you are in a mystery you're not going to figure it all out but I can do an action of kindness and that has a real effect and since then I've been doing a lot more acts of kindness and um, I'm, I'm, like, I'm taking more action and I think that um, is helping the people around me more not just wishful thinking but actually taking action so um, thank you for inspiring that in me and um, is there anything that you want to close with or where can people find more about you or if people are curious and they want to help what are some of the things that they can do to help well, I think that uh, to know the communities, communities are still alive, the spiritual communities, contact us, um, uh, find out who I am, uh, get online, uh, because I, wanna hear, I do read some of the posts and read some of the messages, I can't read them all, but keep doing, that brings spirit to everybody when you do that, it's like, you know, is this a worthless cause, can we have peace, you know, that's what I want to do, if you, if you listen to this, Text something, anything, a poem, who you are, or something. That's what I'm doing. I'm looking for those, those star people. And I want to know if they're still there. And sometimes when I uh, go and speak somewhere and the, we have a great audience, but coming home is the loneliest part because you wonder if you did your job. Because I've been doing this for a long time. And, of course, everybody, am I, am I doing it right? Uh, how can I do it better? What can I do to help you, help you, you know? What, what is it out there? So, and, I, and when I don't hear anything, that's very, space is very lonely because there's distance between stars and the star is coming closer. So, that is my words. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. Uh, thank you guys for listening and uh, thank you so much, David. Thank I you. appreciate you. Peace. Okay, guys, that wraps up this first part of an installment of the Native American elder of the Mi'kmaq Nation, David Lombear Senapass. We have more coming up. He is releasing more information than he ever has before. Like I said, he's only been sharing this stuff for five years and only recently on podcasts. So we just did an event in Sedona with Zuni elder uh, Clifford Mahuti, who's going to be coming up next. And uh, this is really extraordinary stuff. I've been, I've been here looking at it directly in Maine, trying to get to the bottom of it. I was like, are these stories real? Like, oh my goodness, what's going on? Um, I even went to... Uh, northern Maine and met his mom I, I was out in the mountain he lived 26 years of his life on and I was like holy crap man you are telling the truth this is wild um, and he is just a selfless person I've never seen somebody work so hard even to the detriment of their own health um, to you know bring these teachings and it's just a different way it's a different culture it's just a different understanding a different upbringing um, but I vetted his science I vetted his math um, I vetted his stories with another American elder and it's all checking out 
know. And we could definitely use some help. So if you know any benevolent angel investors, um, people who want to chip in with administrative assistance, web designers, um, anybody that can help because um, the things out of those ancient copper scrolls are extraordinary. And a few things that we require is just a little bit of funding to do some of the science research. Um, you know, he could do a lot more, but he's got to get the basic tools and he needs to pay rent. And he's focusing more on paying rent than teaching and then and then doing the science. Um, we can send more balloons into space. We could do that instantly. Um, what else? You know, so I'm just like, oh my goodness, like we got to get you hooked up. So I am trying my best to send out the word to you, my listeners, to either just send, share this episode. If you know a benevolent investor really wants to help the world, like have a conversation. It's, 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 it'll blow your mind. Um, but that's what we're looking for because I do believe he um, can really brings some game-changing stuff to the table and now we got clifford mahudi on the team zuni elder same history talks about the technologies of the star people talks about um you know being able to communicate with beings and so this is this is some mind-blowing stuff here and um but it really has to come down to peaceful community actually helping one another and that's the basics of the first teaching and it's interesting to see when he does teachings everybody wants this like multi-dimensional alien contact all this stuff and he keeps talking about kindness well if you want to you know raise your own consciousness and you want to make an impact in your community and you want to communicate with higher realms you first need to be able to be in peace and kindness and resonance with each other and that and then if we can do that get 2,000 people together in kindness and resonance that's one of the things that I'm working on with him is getting an audience of 2,000 people um, he has told me in private I think I can share this I hope anyways that uh, he can do this basically uh this technology virtual reality um thing where it's just like this hologram above you but he says it's like 10 times or 100 times better than what exists now and that's part of the technology from the copper scroll so this is not primitive stuff this is uh this is star trek stuff and uh we could use some help if you're down so that's that um thank you all of you for listening for supporting the podcast um for supporting me on patreon for the shares for the reviews you're awesome and uh yeah i think that's it so let's uh let's just check out here oh if you if you have any questions just go to matt at zenathlete.com um and if you want coaching same spot same thing and i'll just leave it there uh, i hope that i did a, a good job supporting him um he's he's my sponsor by my own choosing because i think that he is that amazing and um yeah so I'm just going to end it there because I'm just rambling on and now wasting your time. So I love you and I appreciate you. And uh, before we go, let's just come to a quick state of peace and coherence by three breaths. So taking in a deep breath in through the nose, setting the intention to come to peace and coherence. And just letting that breath out with all the cares and all the worries of the day. Taking in another deep breath in through the nose, holding that breath. And just letting out slowly with all the cares, all the worries, all the self-criticisms. Taking in another deep breath in through the nose. And really just doubling this feeling of relaxation, of inner peace. And just letting that out slowly with all the cares and all the worries of the day. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. We're going to get into another one tomorrow with Zuni Elder, uh, Clifford Mahuti, and it's going to be awesome. So enjoy this ride. Thank you. I love you. Have an amazing day, and I will chat to you soon.